Today's swap number is 313. That's the date our 2019 profit sharing will be funded. This year, it'll be equal to 12.2% of qualified earnings. On the show today, we're going to talk with SWAPA's Director of Retirement, Mike Haynes, along with NC member Damian Jeanette, about all things profit sharing, including some of SWAPA's goals for contract 2020. Apple 17, left tower, Arn have the door set, number 13 right, clear to go. Arn have the door set, clear to take off, 13 right, southwest 17. I'm Kurt Heidemann. And I'm Amy Robinson, and today we'd like to welcome Mike and Damien. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the history of profit sharing. When did it begin? Well, the plan was started back in 1973 by the company as a way for the employees to share in the profitability of the company. The actual first profit-sharing dollars that were contributed were in 1974. So it's been around a long time, but the idea was for them to help with the retirement of the SWA employees. And when the profit-sharing plan started, that was the only form of retirement savings. Was that true? Yes, that was the only plan at the time. The 401k plans came later uh, for the pilots Uh, later for the other employees. The 401k plan did not come into existence until 1986. Do you mean that all 401k plans are the one here at Southwest specifically? No, 401k plans first came on the scene in uh, 1978. Um, That was the first 401k plan. It took a while for a lot of the employers to come up to speed. You have to get documentation and approvals. Um, The first time the pilots got the plan was for 1986. And that was going on at Southwest at the time that there were defined benefit plans generally at the other airlines. Uh, yes. Yeah. But that was considerably later than the beginning of the profit sharing program, correct? 74 was the first profit sharing contribution okay. uh, made for employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was just under 9% back in the day. That was the only employer contribution at that time. Uh, 401k came on the, on the scene and then employees could put their own money in initially. And then the 6.3% employer contribution began in 1990. So from 1990, uh, employees had both profit sharing and the match contributed to retirement plans at that time. So as you said, profit sharing was uh, the only form of uh, retirement savings force for a while. But now if you read in our current CBA, it says uh, in section 19, and I'm going to quote here, it says uh, the profit sharing plan provides for, quote, a portion of the pilot's retirement program. Does that change sort of how we approach it as an organization or what we're looking for in 2020, Damien? I wouldn't say it's substantial anymore, but uh, now we have about 41% of the pilots. uh, They max out the IRS limits in the 401k plan through the year. So, uh, you know, you you have a segment now. used to most people, almost all people, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, uh, almost everyone had some money going into the profit sharing plan back when it was a 9.3% match. But now 41% of the pilots, at least last year, uh, have reached the IRS limits. So there's no more room for qualified money to go in there anymore. Right. The profit sharing plan still houses prior monies for all the pilots. It's just that new contributions are not going in for the same number of pilots. The more senior pilots are maxing out the limit. Therefore, they have no future contributions going into the profit-sharing plan. They spill out and go into non-qualified plans or are paid in cash. It's the younger pilots that don't have the compensation level where monies are going into the profit-sharing plan today. 
just to make sure it's clear, when you say the contribution limits, you're talking about the uh, 415C limits? Right. The annual addition limit, which is 415C by the okay. code. And that contribution limit was $56,000 last year, combined employee and employer contribution limit for those age less than age 50. If you're fortunate enough to be 50 or older, <laughs> then you can put in another 6000 last year. So 62000 was the effective limit. But that, that money right there, you're talking basically about your 401k contributions from the pilot and the company's NEC. If that number hits the 56, you said, last year or 62 then no money goes to the profit sharing because that money actually comes in. None of the money is going to the plan. Right. Be, because that money is actually getting funded in 2020 for 2019. Is that, can you talk a little bit about that timeline and how that sort of plays in and money crowds out? Cause that's confusing to a lot of guys. Yeah. So the, the, when you receive the monies in March, right on March 13th, this March, is, coming, this March up. Okay. coming up, that's for the last year, 2019 plan year. So during that course of that year, of course, you know, you're making your contributions to the SWAPA 401k plan. The company is providing the NEC. And if you've already maxed out, like we were talking about before, then there's no more room for it, per se, in, on that March uh, 13th. Then you're going to receive it back as cash. Or if you've uh, elected for the non-qualified plans, then it would go in the plans as well. So how's the how's profit sharing calculated? What's the formula? So back in uh, the 1973 era, when uh, Herb came up with the idea of the profit sharing plan, he had what was called the 15% of ANP. And so we defined ANP as the adjusted net profit. Um, in reality, that was probably a bad term back in the, it was well used back in the day, but now it's more or less just the pre-tax or the EBT, earnings before taxes, uh, gap number with adjustments. Speaking of A&P, what adjustments are made to profits? Uh, some of the adjustments include uh, non-operating or non-reoccurring gains and losses, things like fuel hedge, ineffectiveness. Uh, the AirTran integration was actually amateurized uh, through the plan. And also um, the IT router failure. There's an insurance payout uh, back in 2017 that they uh, have made adjustments to the plan. Uh, speaking of that router failure in 2016, has that been resolved as far as uh, I know SWAPA filed a grievance when it came to the ANP for that? Uh, we did file a grievance and it is still going through the SBOA process. Um, I would say that was a positive uh, for the pilot group. Then why, then why did we file a grievance? Because of the change. If there's any kind of change to the to the way the 15% ANP with adjustments, if, if that has changed, then that does need to open up Section 19 and at least for us to come together and look at what those changes were and, and how does it impact the retirement plan positively or negatively. Uh, it does need to be a reopener for Section 19. So you're worried about setting precedent, making sure that we... It is because we're, we're, one of the, we're the only um, collective bargaining group here that has the or modification Everybody gets to reopen their retirement language if the plan's terminated, but ours says terminate or modify. Because of that modification, uh, we need to go in and just open Section 19 and, and talk about it. All right. So explain the timeline a little bit on why it's so drawn out. So in the fall, the membership makes an election, and if it 100% uh, it goes into the plan or if we subdivide it out. And so uh, after that election is made in the fall— then the plan year runs its course. And then just like now, the March 13th 
uh, payout is for the previous plan year, for the 2019 plan year. So you see there's a, a step process there. So it's drug out. So the we voted in 18 to apply to 19 profit sharing, which gets paid in 20. Correct. Mike, why do we have to vote all the way back in 18 on 19? Why can't we do it sometime during the 19 year when we kind of have a better idea of what profit sharing is going to be? So the new provision to allow the membership to choose a cash amount, which has never occurred. They've always voted full. But the reason why that was put into the contract was to give the pilots choice. But because that choice of profit sharing impacts your contributions in the upcoming year, there are other contributions that occur for a pilot. For instance, um, non-qualified contributions. So a profit sharing may end up to be a non-qualified contribution. The rules for non-qualified plans require that changes to elections occur in the year that precedes the year the non-qualified contribution is associated with. So due to the linkage between profit sharing and the non-qualified plan, there's a requirement and it has to be done prior to the year the contribution applies. And then, so that leads to the question that we always hear over and over again, why don't we just have individual elections? Individual elections can be problematic in that administratively, if you have 10,000 different individuals with different elections for profit sharing, you effectively have 10,000 scenarios in combination with limits that need to be calculated. So by requiring everybody be the same, it simplifies it and there's a less possibility of error. So administratively, it makes sense to do it as a group. Damien, there's a discussion on uh, the, the Contract 2020 Facebook page that was describing how uh, the pilots at Delta still make an election, uh, whether the money that they're getting for profit sharing gets deferred or not. And they're doing that on an individual basis. How is that different than what Mike was talking about? Because that's a cash bonus plan. So they're making an individual election if they want to defer up to that 402G or if they're over the graceful enough to be over the age of 50, they can defer slightly more. Uh, but that's what they're making that election is to defer that into the plan. So in lieu of pilot contributions to their 401k, they're using that money to fill up their 401k bucket effectively? Correct. Oh, correct. Going back to the 2019 profit sharing, how does it compare historically to previous years? So the dollar amount of profit sharing is an all-time high. So the $667 million was the highest amount of profit sharing that was allocated back to employees. So on a percent basis, however, it's not the highest percentage because it's the total dollars allocated over the denominator, which is the total compensation that it's applied to. So, of course, there's higher compensation than there has been in the old days. But on an aggregate amount, the $667 million is an all-time high. Because the highest was 21.5% in 1980 in a percentage. The percentage basis. Right. But it's a smaller dollar amount. Right. And so, Damien, when we talked to the company about retirement savings, uh, this was a big issue in 16. We talk about guaranteed retirement dollars. And so that's kind of the important factor that we're thinking about again in 2020, right? The fact that 
profit sharing is never guaranteed. Right, right. That's never guaranteed. So, uh, you know, obviously the non-elective contribution was uh, installed in 2016 for that reason. And for contract 2020, that's why other sources such as a market-based cash balance plan is things that we're looking at. So how close have your estimates been in the past and what causes them to be off? So the the main so that's obviously an EF&A, uh, not 401k question. But, you know, like Mike was talking about, you have two parts to that, right? You have your contribution amount, then you have the eligible compensation. The uh, contribution amount is relatively easy to come up with. We were pretty close. Uh, of course, we didn't know about the $124 million uh, injection of cash from, we'll say, a supplier. Um, but the, the tricky part is the eligible compensation. So eligible compensation uh, rose much more rapidly than we expected. Our expectation uh, was nowhere close to the $463 million jump from the previous year, because uh, the only other time in recent history that it had a significant snap up was during the ratification bonus in the 2016 uh, year, because that was $471 million increase on eligible wages. So we almost had the same increase in eligible wages this year as we did back in 2016 when we had that huge ratification bonus. So that threw our, our numbers off a little bit, so that we're still trying to hunt down why the increase in eligible wages, especially when 43%, I'm sorry, 38% of the pilot group make up the profit sharing pie and our wages uh, on a per individual basis have gone down because of the reduction of the uh, wages due to max. When Damien was referring to wages, it's the overall company's wage amount. All groups went up higher than anticipated. So the whole company went up significantly despite, like you said, the, the pilot group decreased. Correct. Correct. One part of that we can account for is the mechanics did get a ratification bonus, but it wasn't anything close to the $410 million that we had in 2016. So what profit sharing rates are other airlines seeing? Uh, Delta was the highest at 16.6% of eligible wages. Uh, next was, of course, us at 12.2. United was 7.6 and American was 1.4. I, I will say, though, that just remember that American and Delta they get non-elective contributions on that profit-sharing payout as well. It's important to remember that. Mike, I'd like to go back for a minute and talk a little bit about the non-qual plans and the decision for uh, the vote that we do each fall on the whether it's full or partial profit-sharing. Can you talk a little bit more? Uh, a lot of our guys seem to think that if you're just a, it only matters to FOs if they're making below the limit that that determine that uh that contribution. Are there any other cases when it would apply? Well, it only affects negatively the ability to have a cash payment if your compensation is lower. So I would agree that the primary emphasis is FOs or new employees that come come here. The um, 41% of the population that really it doesn't matter because they've maxed out and they effectively have their own cash election based off the election to a non-qualified plan or not. So it doesn't really matter to them uh, with the exception that um, if there is a mandatory cash piece, that cash piece would be received as compensation for them and it would be taxable and they would not have the option to move those dollars into non-qualified plans. 
About how many of our pilots participate in the non-qual plans? Do you have numbers on that roughly? Well, the deferred compensation plan is very small. So it's less than 200 pilots. When you say that, we call that top hat? That is the top hat plan. Okay. Less than 200. Less than 200. That's always the last one pilots choose to participate in. The first non-qualified plan that gets encountered is the excess benefit plan, and that's the most numerous. So somewhere in the two to 3,000 range um, of pilots actually participate in excess benefit plan, a portion. They're not all in, but they, they might have a, a certain percentage going into the excess benefit plan. Is that uh, current participation or guys that maybe put it in three or four or five years ago and they're not actively participating? I mean, on an annual basis, is, would you say it's that number? I think it's my best guess for uh, current participation. Okay. Um, the 401A17 plan um, recently changed. So uh, it used to be everybody was in it. But with the new contract, match went away, two new sources, the NEC and profit sharing of the new contributions. I call it the great potential accumulator uh, of monies is the 401A17 plan on a go-forward basis. But participation in that is less because you have to be at a higher compensation level, unlike the excess benefit plan. You can be at a lower compensation level and still get to the excess value. You actually don't even get an invite to 401A17 unless you had compensation of at least $250,000 in the prior year. So we're talking less than 2,000. If I was gonna ballpark it, I would say maybe 1,000. Explain the difference between Empower and Schwab and the two administrators, if you would. Charles Schwab is the record keeper for the 401k plan. Empower Retirement is the record keeper for the profit sharing plan, as well as the non-qualified plans. So the decision to have a record keeper is swap us for the 401k plan. So we decide who administers or record keeps that plan. The decision for the profit sharing plan and the non-qualified plan, since the company is the administrator of those plans, lies with the company. So they selected Empower Retirement for that administration and the pilot selected Schwab for the 401k plan. And we were, if I remember correctly, Swapa did have Empower at one time. Is this correct? We did make an attempt to um, try them out as the uh, uh, administrator of the plan um, with the idea that bringing all the plans together would benefit all pilots because they could see their position uh, all together at one site kind of a convenience. However, the experience was not as um, advertised, uh, and we quickly came back to Schwab where we had better service. Why wouldn't Southwest consider moving to Schwab as well? It's their choice. I mean, they have a relationship with Empower Retirement today. Empower Retirement was kind of a created from three companies, um, Putnam Investments, Great West, and Chase. And previously, the company was at Chase. So it kind of morphed into Empower Retirement. So the relationship goes back further than just the Empower entity in 2015. Any efforts to fix that in 2020? Well, we would love that. 
we would encourage that. And we, we do encourage that. However, it's not our decision as the administrator of the 401k plan to tell the company. Currently, since those plans are separately administered, is there a way to move money from your profit sharing to your 401ks whenever you want? Not whenever you want, but when you turn age 59 and a half, you have the ability to roll monies out of the profit sharing plan. And you can choose to roll the monies out into the 401k plan. So you can effectively transfer your profit sharing balance over to the 401k plan. We have a lot of pilots who utilize that feature. And that's a one-time event or? The plan permits that once each calendar year. Profit sharing permits that once each calendar year. After you're 59 and a half. Correct. Is there a cap on the amount? No. You can do a partial amount or you can do all of it. A lot of people do all of it, but then they may have subsequent contributions come into the plan, which is fine, Mm -hmm. and do a subsequent rollout. Is there a financial advantage to the company for keeping our money with the rest of the employee group? Well, yeah, if they were to keep all the uh, employees together, then it it does produce a larger assets under management, which, you know, the main goal there is to reduce expenses. The expense ratios normally would be lower with a higher, larger AUMs. They They have market power, basically. They have generally, yeah. It's not as attractive as it used to be because there's no contributions coming into the profit sharing plan for the 41%. So it's not as critical to have the pilots in that plan today on a go-forward basis. Existing balancers are important for negotiation for, you know, share class to cheaper investments. But on a go-forward basis, it's not as important. What do you forecast profit sharing to be in the next couple of years? (laughs) <laughs> no, we haven't. We haven't even run that one yet recently. Well, it's kind of hard to run it, especially with the max being what right, it is, right. right? I mean, there's too much, un- too many unknowns. There's way too much noise right this minute. Yeah. And, it, you know, technically we haven't even released uh, first quarter results yet, so I can't even give a, a guesstimate yet. And do you get those numbers from uh, Wall Street filings or do you get them from your own calculations or company? How do you get those Estimates For the contribution amount, we do have an internal uh, model that we use, but of course we're talking to uh, Wall Street analysts and, uh, you know, they, they take a consensus and try to boil it down and we try to boil it down even more because we like to get really in depth in the numbers on it. Oh, I know. Really depends on how much the supplier is going to be chipping in this year. It's a true statement, especially considering that they did it last year. Our expectation is they'll do it again this year because the airplane is going to be, you know, grounded for some amount of time. Mike and Damien, thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about profit sharing along with some of the other retirement and negotiation topics. As always, if you have any feedback for us, please drop us a line at com at swapa.org. We welcome any feedback. And finally, this week's bonus number is 5,777. That's the number of pilots who receive at least some portion of profit sharing into their retirement savings. Our current system allows more pilots to fill their qualified buckets than would be the case if it were a cash bonus plan only. Southwest 17, turn right off five, got the crash. Up five over ground, Southwest 17.